Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. I'd love to invite you to stand with me this morning. If you're watching online, you can stand at home wherever you're at. If you're in your car, don't stand. Stay, stay seated. We're wrapping up our series today on cow tipping, and we have been dealing with sacred cows. Sacred, sacred cow is a firmly held belief or an institution or an idea or custom, an object. It can be a person uh, or an emotion that is so well respected or held that is beyond opposition. It is beyond criticism. You can't touch it. It is immune uh, from question in an unreasonable way. And we've looked at uh, three different breeds, if you like, of sacred cows. Dr. Anna dealt with in our first week on cultural sacred cows. And these are things in our culture that have become blind spots. Don't even really know that they are there, but they can become roadblocks to our future, to God's plan for our life. Last Sunday, I spoke about sacred, sacred cows. And so I talked about the sacred cows in the church, that if you touch them, you generally touch them at your peril. You, you create the, uh, feel the animosity of people that hold those things dearly. And sacred, sacred cows are usually the things that block churches from growing. Some churches have held so tightly onto their sacred, sacred cows, and they've shrunk so much that they're only a flu season away from not existing. Today, I want to talk about emotional sacred cows, things in our heart that we hold so tightly that they actually choke the emotional life. They can choke our spiritual life. They can destroy our physical life and totally take us out of God's plan. Passage of scripture I want to read to you is out of Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read verse 22 and 23, and then we're going to pray. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly, everyone say quickly, the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. For those of you uh, that have been in church for a while and you're like one of those people that like like the meat of the word, like let's get to the meat of the word. Here it comes. Here's the meat of the word. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. There's the meat. The fattened calf. That's your meat. And kill it. And let us, I've got to tell you, that was a lot funnier in my mind than it was obviously in your head. My mind, I thought that was hilarious. I can hear people laughing online right now, laughing louder than you did then, but obviously you don't appreciate. Did you appreciate the meat joke, Greg? You, you, you're having meat in the jollof? You're having fat and calf in the jollof? That's good. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to get into our life and penetrate and bring supernatural change from the inside out. That's what we want today to happen. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Lord, I know some of the things that we touch on may be difficult in the heart of some people here, but Holy Spirit, work with us. Lord, we want you to deal 
with the emotional sacred cows before they deal with us. We want you to heal us. We want you to set us free. So Holy Spirit, let me have a prophetic edge as I speak. Let the people have a prophetic ear to hear what you're saying to them personally. And let us leave today better than when we came in, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You can take a seat. An emotional sacred cow is uh, a firmly held feeling or emotion. It is an attitude. It is a hurt. It is an offense at a person. It could be at a group of people or an event or a situation that has become so well entrenched in your soul that it grips your mind the way you think. It grips your will, the things that you desire or expect that you should get. And it impacts your emotions and it blocks you from full healing and it would almost seem like it is immune from restoration and a challenge for you to be able to come into a position of forgiveness. An emotional sacred cow can be anger, it can be resentment, it can be offense, it can be bitterness. Those things can be set up in our life as emotional sacred cows. It is negative and it is destructive. It is an attitude. And the sacred cow, here's the thing about cow tipping. Cow tipping is actually a rural myth given to city people to make us look stupid when we go to the farm. Like you can't actually go out and tip a cow. You go out and say with a farmer, you've got a farmer with a sixth sense of humor, they're going to tell you, hey, listen, what you need to do, you need to go cow tipping. You need to go out into the paddock at night, see a cow just sit there and give it a push and they're going to fall over. And, and, and uh, city folk, we don't, we don't know, and trying to push it, you cannot tip a cow. They, they say they've done research and even if you had like eight people, it would take at least eight people to push over such a heavy object that as you start pushing the cow, the cow's either going to run off or it's going to signal its best friend, Barry, the bull, to come and attack you. You cannot tip a cow. But with a sacred cow, here's what they do. It's not about you tipping the sacred cow. An emotional sacred cow usually has tipped itself on you. It's usually something that is so weighted down on you that not only do you find it difficult to get up, but the emotional sacred cow is actually squashing the life out of you. Now, you and I live in a world full of emotional sacred cows. We are a world dominated by feelings. People have generally lost their ability to have reasonable conversations over issues. It used to be that we could uh, agree to disagree, but today we've totally lost the ability. We've become attached to feelings and emotions and to opinions and offense. Being offended is now king cow of the pasture. We've been moving in that direction for quite some time. 
It starts with, if it feels good, do it. If it feels good, be it, where feelings dominate. Uh, but I think, for me anyway, a significant moment where that escalated was in the 2016 uh, uh, election when President Trump was voted in. And educational facilities throughout America, university campuses on the East Coast here in America, created safe spaces for traumatized students who were so traumatized by the election result that they needed a safe place to go and process an election result. And not only did they give them the safe space, they gave them puppies to cuddle. They gave them puppies, little Labrador that they could cuddle in a safe space because they didn't like the election result. Now, if these were first graders, I get the puppy deal. Maybe, maybe elementary school, maybe high school, but these are college age people smart enough to be in college and getting an education. They are going to one day be your attorney. I do not want an attorney that's so emotionally traumatized by an election result that they need to hide in a room and cuddle a puppy. And I would suggest to you that if you are so traumatized by an election result that you need to go in a room and cuddle a puppy, that life is going to beat the tar out of you. Because worse things are coming your way at hundreds of miles per hour. We're going to learn to get over some of this. 2020 was like the escalation. 2020 sent the world absolutely crazy. We divided over everything. Everything became personal. And I believe it's because we became isolated and isolation is never good. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. We're created for community. But, but people out of 2020 seem to got angrier and crazier and more hot-tempered and so easily offended. People are offended, so offended by the smallest thing. Do you know there are young people, there's a, a, a survey done, and it's like a major percent, like 30 or 40% of young people today believe that it should be criminal. It should be a prosecutable offense that if I call you by the wrong pronoun, you sh there should be a law against that. That, that, that if I don't, and the thing about a pronoun generally is I'm not going to call you about a pronoun if you're with me. It's only when you're gone. If I'm talking about Greg when he's gone and I refer to him as he when he's gone, he will never know what I called him unless you tell him. So you're going to be offended by something you just, a word. And I'm not just offended. I can, I can understand. There's some words that are offensive you don't like. I don't like people cussing. If you use a cuss word around me, I, I, I'm not going to hate you. I, I, I'm going to think you could have used a better word, but I'm not going to hate you, but I'm not going to like it, but I'm not going to make it illegal. I'm not going to like, arrest that man. I'm not going to do that. That's offense going crazy. Look, if, if you don't believe the world's gone crazy, fly. Get on a plane 
take a trip. People have lost their minds. Have you seen the people getting angry on planes these days? In 2019, FAA had 1,161 reports of out-of-control situations on an aeroplane. In 2021, two years later, they had 5,981 people getting angry on a plane. You're, you're, you're up in the air and 30,000 feet in the air in a tin can, moving faster than any other generation has ever been able to move in the history of mankind, and you're angry over... Greg and Chloe flew with us to Seattle, and they had my grandson, Luca. Now, how many people have seen Luca? Luca's probably the... Like, like he has eyes that if you look into his eyes, you're going to be like, what do you want? Like, you can't resist his eyes. Like, if I don't want to give him anything, I don't look at his eyes. I don't look at his face, look at his feet, look at his hands. But if you look at the eyes, your heart will melt, and you'll be like, what can I get you, sir? They had a lady on the plane that was angry that Luca was on the plane. He wasn't crying. He wasn't doing anything other than looking awesome. Maybe, did she have really, did she have ugly eyes or something? Maybe she was jealous. Maybe she looked at his eyes and she was like, I don't look, never look. Anyway, but it's gone out of control. Anger has gone out of control. Listen, when feelings rule and emotions are fragile and offense is an instant response of choice, I believe that you can hear the emotional sacred cows mooing in the garden of your mind. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul wrote, Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put far away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This should be our mandate as the church. Let all bitterness, and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with malice, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I believe that God is calling his church to live in a totally different zone than the world that we live in. And not just about not being worldly of, of the things that we don't do. I'm, I'm talking about the things that we can do by being tender-hearted, by being kind, by being forgiving, by loving on other people. We've got to learn in life. If you're going to make it through life, you've got to learn to develop to have the hide, the skin of a rhino, and the heart of a marshmallow. If you're going to make it in life, you've got to get a tough skin while keeping a soft heart. Get a tough skin because difficulty and criticism and attack and negativity and bad things uh, are going to come at you all the time. You're going to have a tough skin to deal with that, but you've got to keep your heart soft. It becomes problematic when your skin becomes like a marshmallow and your heart becomes like a rhino, that you become hard-hearted and soft-skinned. And everything offends you. Everything. And you're angry. I remember 
working with a, a pastor who was angry. And he said to me, he said, you know, the church would be great if it wasn't for the people. I'm like, you do know there'd be no church without people. No, the church is the people. What happened to him? Unprocessed hurt. In Luke 15, 22, it says, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. These verses are in the parable of the lost son. It's a part of a trilogy of lost things. We have a lost coin. We have lost sheep. And we have a lost son. Jesus tells this parable, and the parable goes like this. There was a, a, a man, apparently wealthy, has a couple of sons. The younger son goes to his dad and says, hey, dad, uh, uh, you got that inheritance that I'm going to get when you die. I'd like, I'd like it now. And the Bible says that the father divided to him his livelihood. So everything that he gives the son is not the son's. Like, like my inheritance that goes to my family is not their inheritance until I'm dead. While I'm alive, that's my money. While the father is alive, that's his money. That's his retirement. That's his net worth. He's worked for that. But the son goes, dad, hey, listen, I want, I know you're going to cock it one day. And so I'd like, and then the son gets it from the father and then he takes it out. And the Bible says he spends it on riotous living. He's gambling, he's drinking, he's with prostitutes. He's doing all sorts of craziness stuff. And he wastes every bit of his father's money, spends a lot. He is so broke that the parable goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, he is in a pig pen. There's been a famine. All sorts of things have taken place. He's so destitute that he's in a pig pen, a despised animal in that culture. And he's looking at what they're eating and he's like, that looks really, really good. That looks great. And he's like, that is not great. Then he gets his mind and says, why would I eat that when in my father's house, the servants get it better? And he says, you know, I'm going to go back to my dad. I've wasted everything. There's no tangible way that I can ever be a son again. I, I, I've blown that. I spent my inheritance. I let my dad down. I can never be. I, I realize I have disqualified myself from sonship. So I'm just going to go back and I'm going to say, hey, dad, can I just be a, can I be a, a servant? Because they get it better. They got better lodging. They got better food. I'll just serve. I'll just serve the house. And so the, the son staggers home. And on his way home, the father knows or, or sees him, the Bible says, afar off. The father sees him dirty, sees him unclean, sees him wandering down the road, sees him afar off. And the Bible says that the father, not the son, that the father goes running to the son, wraps his arms around the son, starts embracing and loving on the son. The son pushes him off and is like, dad, I'm, I, I'm not fit to be your son. I, I, I've come back home to be a servant. And the dad totally ignores everything the son says. He says, come home, throw 
throws a party, kills the fatted calf, clean him up, give him new shoes, put a new ring on his finger, let this kid be washed up. We are going to party. He was lost, but now he is found. So the father has already processed his hurt. Now, you know the dad was probably hurt. Dad's got to be disappointed. I worked so hard all those years to build this net worth, and I gave it to you, and you wasted it like that. You devalued your family. You devalued me as your father. You devalued everything I'd worked for. You treated it like it was cheap. You you know that the dad had been disappointed. You know that he'd been frustrated. He may have even been angry. But to embrace his son like he did, he had to pre-forgive his son before he saw him. He had to have forgiven his son for everything that he did before he was walking down the road to get such a response out of him to run towards his son and hug him. He was so far down the forgiveness track that he was looking for an opportunity to reconcile and bring restoration with his son. He held zero animosity and he was able to kill the cow and celebrate. That's the dad. And to stage right, the older brother. And this is what it says. Now, His older son was in the field. This is the boy who didn't leave. And he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. The person who was not the victim in this parable immediately makes himself the victim. The younger son had not sinned against the older son. He'd wasted his dad's possession. He didn't touch the older son's bit. He didn't touch the older son's property. He wasted it. And the older son becomes the victim. That's what it says in verse 28. And he was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. His, his dad's come out, come on, son, don't, don't be so angry. Don't be so, don't be so like, like get in and party with us. But he answered his father and he said, look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your commandment yet. You've never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. Like you've killed the fatted calf for him. I didn't even get a goat. I didn't get a party. Never gave me a, never gave me a party. You never, he's having a pity party about never having a party. When this, I love this, when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He is so way up in his fields that he is feeling totally justified in his actions. He's so up in his fields, he's like, this is unfair. This doesn't seem right. I have worked hard. I've been faithful. I've been responsible. And I hear the celebration for him, and I think you should have been celebrating me. 
When he hears the celebration and he finds out it was for the younger son, he experiences a stampede of emotional sacred cows that just come and plonk themselves on him. And you and I are similar. We can have experiences that open up the, the barnyard gates and release a stampede of sacred cows that, that come and tip themselves over on us and squash us. And we need somebody's help. We need some decisions to get those things off so you and I can get free again. So let's identify a few of those emotional sacred cows. I would say this, don't let anger become an emotional sacred cow. He was angry. That was the first response. I found out for me that a majority of time when something makes me angry, that after the anger has subsided and I look back, that I have to ask myself, why was I angry in the first place? I think maturity has helped me and experience has helped me realize that. So now I am, am a lot calmer than I used to be. I get angrier slower. Like when I was young, it was zero to angry in seconds. Like, I'm, I'm not from, you tell me no. Like I'm in customer service and you tell me no, you don't even get the O out. You're still like, mm, what? What do you mean no? You didn't say no, so we can, mm. Yeah, you were saying no. My trade before I was a Christian was a chef. It is mandatory as a chef to be angry. That's a part of your training. They train you to be angry. I've thrown plates at people. I've thrown pans at people. I've flicked over things in the... I, I, I've done all... I, I, I remember I was a brand new... I was 21. I was a brand new Christian. And I'm witnessing to everybody at work because I'm newly saved. I'm just like... And I'm new. I'm like freshly squeezed. I'm like a new, brand new Christian. Don't know anything about the Bible, nothing other than what I think you're supposed to do. And so I'm witnessing to people and I don't even like to say, Jesus love, you know. And, and, and so I'm at work in a kitchen in New Zealand, witnessing to the other people in the kitchen. But there was a young punk kid in there. It was a, like an apprentice kid. And he just wasn't a good, nice person. And he just made my life help, probably because I witnessed him. He didn't like me. And anyway, there was one day he just did something and I lost my temper and I grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and I, boom, put him against the wall and I pulled my fist back to punch him in the face. Now, I know what you're saying. That's not biblical. At that point, the only scripture that came to mind was lay hands on him and see if he recovers. And I got about here and I so, so wanted to punch him so badly. But I've been witnessing about the Lord. So I said to go from this to bless his name. And, and I put this kid down. And so he's like, ooh, thought you were a Christian. Thought you were a Christian. And I'm like, I am, bro. Because if I wasn't a Christian, I would have punched you in the face. That was just Jesus there. But, but I, I learned after a, a lot, that, that, that anger is a wasted emotion. It's often, it is an emotion and you're going to get it, but it's often a wasted emotion. James says this, he says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to speak, quick to hear. We have two ears, slow to speak, one mouth. We need to listen more than we speak. When you get angry, it flips the other way. When you get angry, we're really slow to hit, quick to speak. 
We don't want to listen to reason. We don't want to listen to rationale. We just want to mouth off about stuff. You see it, you see it on social media all the time. You post something when somebody gets angry and that, they say stuff I'm convinced they would never say to your face. And if they would say that to your face, they're more messed up than I thought they were in the first place. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Angry people often hear the voices they want to hear in their own echo chamber. And that was so true in 2020 on social media. Somebody said this. They said, speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Did you know that psychologists tell us that we lose a big portion of our intelligence when we get angry? That's why you should... Because when you're angry, you're not as smart as you were before you were angry. Psychology Today says when we get angry, the light goes out in the prefrontal cortex, which is the executive functioning and decision-making region of the brain. It's like we're operating on 10 to 15 less IQ points when we're angry. I don't know about you. I cannot afford to lose 10 to 15 IQ points. I'm not smart enough. To be able to, anybody like that? Am I the only person here? Anybody else like me? You're like, I can't. If I lose 10 to 15, I'm, I'm coloring with crayons and I'm not even in the lines. It's like, I can't afford to lose that amount of intelligence. You, 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 you're going to get angry. You just can't stay angry. The thing's going to make you angry because anger is a, an emotion and it's unhealthy to suppress emotions. It's unhealthy to ignore feelings, it's unhealthy to bottle up hurt, and it's unhealthy to not address disappointment. But Paul wrote, be angry and do not sin. So you're going to get angry. There are things that ticked him off. You're going to get angry. So be angry, but don't let the anger become sin. How? Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, deal with the anger before the anger deals with you. Deal with the situation. Find a resolution to the situation that made you, made you angry in the first place. Don't let the sun go down and give no opportunity to the devil. So the devil is going to use as an opportunity the moments that you have unresolved anger in your life. You have to remember that anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I think the biggest pandemic in 2019, uh, 2020 wasn't COVID-19, it was anger. There was a pandemic of everybody was angry at everybody. It was just the year of out of control ticked off people. The people who wore masks were angry at all the non-mask wearers. The non-mask wearers, angry at all the people that put on a mask. I had a friend of mine in Kansas that was absolutely anti-mask, just 
despise the mask. Doesn't even like Batman. Just no masks. And I came out of the airport. I flew to him to preach for him. I came out of the airport and just had my mask on because you had to have a mask on in the airport. Now, I'm going to tell you, I wasn't a mask lover. I wasn't running around going, oh, I get to wear a mask today. I don't like those things at all. I'm wearing it because I couldn't fly to him if I didn't have it on. And I just came out with my bags and I had my mask on as I came to the car. And he just about lost his mind in anger over, you got the mask on. I'm like, I didn't have time to take it off. I have a mask-burning festival on the side of the road here. The vaccinated people were angry at the unvaccinated people. The unvaccinated people were angry at the vaccinated people. Church, churches couldn't win. No pastor. I'm so glad. Thank you, Lord. You love me very much. I wasn't pastoring in 2020. I was helping pastors work their way through the craziness. I spent hours on the phone with pastors pretty much saying, don't jump. It's all going to be okay. People left the church, Christians, godly believing Christians left the church when pastors shut down the church. And I never met a pastor yet that was excited about doing that. They did that because they felt it was necessary. And people left their church because they're angry that you shut the church down too quickly. And then when they opened the church up, they lost the rest of the people that were angry. You opened the church up too quickly. Like you couldn't win at anything. In the church in Chicago, we had some great children's workers and they did a really good job providing an online children's resource for kids during the shutdown. But when we said we're opening back up, you need to come back and be in the room with kids. They're like, what? With real life people? And they quit their job. They quit their ministry because they didn't want to minister to real kids. They wanted to do a program. The world went crazy. The church split so much that at the end of 2020, no one counted numbers anymore. The number one question between pastors is, what percentage of people are back in church since 2020? And if a church in America had 30% of their pre-COVID numbers, they were doing really well. That meant that 70% of the church were so hurt and offended or whatever, they just didn't want to come back. These are Christians. This is the, the people that God says, don't, don't, don't go to bed angry. Work it out. Get it right. Just volatile people. I love Ephesians, how uh, Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, go ahead and be angry. You, you do well to be angry. Do not use your anger as fuel for revenge. Don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't, don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Benjamin Franklin said, anger is never without reason, but seldom a good one. Psalm 4 says, be angry and do not sin. So be angry, don't sin. Ponder in your heart, your own hearts on your beds and be silent. 
Now, the dad in the story could legitimately be angry with the younger son, but he, he overcome it. He overcome his anger and he forgave. Peter said, cast all your anxieties on him. In other words, those things that make you angry, look, give them over to Jesus. Give the, the emotional sacred cows over to him because why? Because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for a foothold and your anger is a foothold for him to work in your life when it's unresolved. Don't let resentment be an emotional sacred cow. He was angry and he refused to go in. Resentment is the evidence of unresolved anger. A feeling of anger, displeasure at something regarded as wrong, insult or injury. Joyce Meyer said, resentment is a powerful negative emotion that can lead to self-destructive behavior if not dealt with properly. Some of you have resentment towards other people who and, and of things that happened years ago. You resent them, you're angry, you're bitter, you can't let it go, and they never, ever think of you at any point. You are never in the framework of their mind. That's why Jesus told us to forgive. When you forgive somebody, it puts you in the driver's seat to cut the connection. But as long as you've got anger, as long as you've got resentment, as long as you've got bitterness, there's a line that connects you to that situation and you're not free. Jesus taught us to forgive, not to set them free, but to set you free. Now, you don't need to trust them anymore. You don't even necessarily have to let them come back in your life. The father never went looking for the son. The son came back to the father. So you don't necessarily have to, if somebody hurt you, broke you, messed up, when you, you, you have to forgive so you disconnect from that moment. But some of you are angry with people that never think about you, ever, never. You never come up in their conversation and you are like, when I, when I, when I was leaving New Zealand, I had this lady, beautiful lady come up to me at the end of church on a Sunday she said, Pastor John, I need to talk to you. Now, you've got to understand, I've never met this lady in my life. I have no idea her name. I have no idea of her face. I do not know her. In a lineup, I couldn't pick her out even today. And she comes up to me. She says, Pastor John, you offended me 10 years ago. And I've held on to that offense. You said something and made me angry. But I just went to this camp on forgiveness and healing and I realize I got to forgive you and so I'm coming to tell you I forgive you I'm not suggesting you ever do that to anybody you don't need to do that because that is weird and 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 she's telling me she's forgiving me and in my mind I'm thinking I don't even know who you are like for 10 years you've hated me so much that you needed to go to a camp on forgiveness to learn that you maybe shouldn't hate me and only because you went to the camp, you don't hate me. For 10 years of your life, you've heard my name. You're, you've seen my picture, stabbing it with an eye. You, you've hated me for a decade and I don't even know who you are. 
Oh, I so wanted to say that to her. But I said, also, thank you. Appreciate it. It was a horrible thing I did, whatever it was. But that's so true. Resentment is the invisible thread that ties us to the people and events from the past. We hold on to these things and they become crazy. And when you, when you look at it some of the time, have you ever been angry at somebody and then you thought about it later and you're like, that's really dumb. Why was I even upset in the first place? Now, again, some of you have had horrible situations. We're going to pray about that today. And you need help to forgive. You need help to process. Some of it's not easy. Some of it's not easy. But, but you've, got, you've got to process. Holding on to old things, sometimes just like, why are we holding on to that? Anna and I, we just did a cruise to Alaska. And the boat left at 3.30 p.m. on the Friday. Our United Airlines flight that we got on at 1 p.m. on Thursday landed in Seattle at 3.30 p.m. on Friday. And the boat don't wait for you. They're gone. So we missed the boat. Felt like the people in the Noah story. And, and so we had to work out how are we going to get on this boat? And so we started making phone calls and... And they said, you can get on the boat, but you've got to get to Ketchikan to board the boat. You've got to fly into it. So we're in America, and we're going to fly to another state in America. So we're in America. We're doing a domestic flight to America to get on a boat that's floated from America to America. It's all domestic. But they said maritime law says that because you got on the boat in Ketchikan, you can't get off the boat in Seattle. You gotta get off the boat in Canada. So you gotta get off the boat the night before they come back to Seattle. So the boat's leaving at 11 o'clock on the Thursday night, but you gotta get off the boat on the Thursday night in Canada, and you gotta go back the next day to America. You can't go back on the boat. Follow me? So we got, so we are, so we flew up and we got off the boat and we immigrated into another country. We're immigrating, they're like, I'm sorry. And we're getting off the boat into another country, immigrating into Canada, stay overnight. And the next day, you know how we got back to Seattle? We caught a boat. We couldn't be on that boat because maritime law. And when we ask people why, they're like, we don't know. It's maritime law. It's been there for years and we have to instigate the law, but we don't even know why there is a law in the first place. And I'm like, I couldn't get on the boat I was on because I, you didn't want me to come back on a boat. So I got off the boat to get on a boat, to come back by a boat because you didn't want me to be on a boat. To, But that's some people's anger. It makes as much sense. When you analyze, you're like, why do I even have this resentment? Don't let, don't let offense be an emotional sacred cow. When the son goes, he goes, this son of yours, he's not my brother, this son of yours, you've had a party, he's disobeyed you, I'm jealous, this not right, I'm angry, I'm offended, I feel justified. This thing is not right. James wrote, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. 
This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Russell, you and the guys can come up. But is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there'll be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom that comes from above. There are people that have hurt you. There are people that have offended you. There are people that have let you down. Maybe even in this message today, maybe I've even said something that's upset you. You you, you really can't go through life without something disappointing. You can't can't deal with people. Listen, I I tell pastors all the time, if if you can't deal with the anger of people or the criticism of the people or the disappointment of people or let down or people make up stories about you, don't be in ministry. That's the wrong thing to do because it's it, you're signing up for a lifetime of that. But you can't go through life without somebody hurting you, somebody offending you. So you're going to be angry. Those things are going to come. They're emotions, but you you cannot set it up as an emotional sacred cow that lays itself on you and squashes you. You have to deal with it before it deals with you. That's what the Bible teaches us. So it says the wisdom that comes from above. Now, the wisdom from the earth says be angry. The wisdom that comes from society says be offended. You should be offended. You should be angry. You should fight back. But but the Bible says the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's full of mercy. They don't deserve that. Yeah, they may not, but you're full of mercy. If they did deserve it, you wouldn't need mercy. If it wasn't bad, you wouldn't need mercy. You only need mercy when you need to give mercy. You only need grace when you need to give grace. You only need forgiveness when you need to give forgiveness. It is full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and sincere and a harvest of righteousness. Is everyone ready for a harvest of righteousness? It's sown in peace by those who make peace. And lastly, I I, I want to encourage you. Don't don't let bitterness become an emotional sacred cow. In a moment, we're going to pray. 